Hello and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. The kiss between husband and wife is an intimate act and was reserved for the privacy of the home. The bride knew it was disrespectful to show such intimacy in public. The fruit of her life was reserved only for her beloved. Do we seek the secret chamber, the private place of intimacy, the private place of intimacy and communion with God? Interesting things to consider. I'm reminded of Susanna Wesley, who had all those children in a small home, who lived a very difficult life, but she found a private place to pray. Her children knew that if Mama's apron was up over her head, they had better be quiet and not interrupt her time with Jesus. Those of us with young children need to make the time to get away with the Lord. Run into his arms. Listen to him. Wisdom of his word is needed to raise those children, and the power of the Holy Spirit is needed to teach them. This goes not just for the young moms, but all of us in any season of life. Jesus left the beauty and serenity of heaven to come to earth. He found a way to get alone with his Father, away from the people, and to pray for others. If the desire to be intimate with Jesus is on our hearts, we will find a way. Verse 5. Who is this that comes up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I raised you up under the apple tree. There, your mother brought you forth. Still out in public on a walk, and the bride longs to be in private for close communion with her beloved. So who is it that comes leaning on her beloved? It is the bride, of course, stepping out of the wilderness of the world and leaning on her beloved, and the daughters of Jerusalem seem to be more interested in her beloved at this time. Charles Spurgeon used this as a picture of the closeness and dependence of the church upon Jesus Christ. Many things could be said as true regarding both the maiden and the people of God. Spurgeon writes, She leaned because she was weak and needed strength. She leaned because the way was long. She leaned because the way was perilous. She leaned because the path was ascending, going higher and higher. She leaned because her progress took her more and more away from others. She leaned because she was sure her beloved was strong enough to bear her weight. She leaned because she loved him. As a saint, as a believer in Jesus, I cannot afford to walk in life any other way than except for leaning on my beloved, leaning on Jesus. He is my strength and my song. Verses 6 and 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, Neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. We can rest assured that if we belong to our beloved, we will always be on his heart. 
His love for us will never be quenched. We are his purchased, highly favored possession. The love he has for us should create a love that burns within us that floods cannot drown out. A love so hot that it melts our hearts and keeps them soft. A love so jealous of anything that would keep us apart that we would walk worthy of the love he lavishes upon us. I'm reminded of something um, a worship leader said a long time ago, Matt Redman, not sure if you remember him, but he said, this world is full of fragile loves, love that abandons, love that fades, love that divorces, love that seeks self, but the unquenchable worshiper is different. From a heart so amazed by God and his wonders, that heart burns with a love that will not be extinguished. It survives any situation and lives through any circumstance. It will not allow itself to be quenched, for that would heap insult on the love it lives in response to. These worshipers gather beneath the shadow of the cross, where an undying devotion took the Son of God to his death. Alive now in the power of his resurrection, they respond to such an outpouring with an unquenchable offering of their own. Here, we are shown a picture of the bride that loves her bridegroom so much that nothing else will satisfy her. What will it take in our lives to get us to that place where nothing else but Jesus will satisfy us? One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh. Better to do it now willingly than wait until later and be made to. In Ephesians chapter 1, we are reminded that you too have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed in the Messiah, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until God redeems his own possession for his praise and glory. Faith and love do not earn us participation in this great work of God. They are the evidence. Faith and love are the evidence of our participation in God's plan. And that's what it is. It's God's plan. This is a retelling of God's history for mankind. Verses 8 to 12. We have a little sister, and she has not yet reached maturity. What will we do for our sister to prepare her for her engagement? If she is a wall, on her we will build a battlement of silver. If she's a door, we will enclose her with planks of cedar. I was a wall, and then I became like one who finds peace in his eyes. Solomon has a vineyard in Baal-Haman. He entrusted the vineyard to caretakers and each one is to bring a thousand pieces of silver in exchange for its fruit. My vineyard belongs to me, and it is at my disposal. The thousand are for you, Solomon, and two hundred are for those who take care of its fruit. In these verses, the bride remembers others who are still young. Her concern for others comes from a heart that is filled with love for her beloved that overflows to those around her. We are to care for those that are young in the Lord and to bring others to an understanding of who our beloved is. We are to pray for them and encourage them to walk with our beloved. 
In answer to our requests in prayer, Jesus will build upon the lives that remain and abide in him. In faith. He will add to them beauty and strength. However, if we be a door with loose hinges, as some commentators say, one with loose morals, he will surround them with boards to hold them in and strengthen them. That's quite the picture. And here we come to the end of chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. You who sit in the gardens, companions are listening for your voice, but let me hear it. Come quickly, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. Here, the conversation between the bride and her bridegroom comes to a close. As he sees her dwelling among the gardens with her companions, he lets her know he must away, and that he wants to hear from her often. As our study comes to a close and the Lord sees us among the gardens, amidst the hearts and lives of our companions, our sisters and brothers in Christ, God reminds us that he wants to hear from us often in prayer and praise, worship, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. He reminds us of his desire to be in close communion with us. He's calling out to us, Daughter, son, yes, Lord, I love you and I will see you soon. 1 Peter 2.9 says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There are many others we must reach with this good news. You are a highly favored, elect, chosen kindred spirit, a kingly, priestly, consecrated, morally blameless people, an acquired acquisition, a purchased people. We are accepted in the beloved. We respond and celebrate the virtues or excellencies of him who has called us out of a place of darkness and obscurity into his marvelous shining light. Notice we are not princesses. We don't have glass slippers. We don't wear bunny slippers. We are a royal priesthood. As priests, we are to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Inside inside the Ark was the law, Aaron's rod and manna. Remember, the only way to get to the law inside of the ark was to remove the mercy seat. As priests in this world, we are to carry mercy to all and show forth the praises of our God. We are to offer the spiritual sacrifices of prayer and praise and worship and give of our time, our money, our talents, because we love him and he loved us first. We have a most precious gift that must be shared with others, around us, with all those around us, during this age of grace. But this time out on earth will end soon. The lamb that we saw enter the world will return as a lion to judge the earth. In response, we cry out, Make haste, our beloved, come quickly. We know that for now we must look through a mirror that's kind of fuzzy 
But one day soon, it will be face to face. We will see you face to face. Remember Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. But for now, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now, we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Because we are still in this body, this tent, this veil, we don't see the things as clearly as we will see them in the future. In response, we cry out, Make haste, our beloved, come quickly. We know that for now we must look through a mirror that's kind of fuzzy. But one day soon, it will be face to face. We will see you face to face. Remember Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. But for now, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now, we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Because we are still in this body, this tent, this veil, we don't see the things as clearly as we will see them in the future. When we stand before Jesus, face to face, then we will know him as we are known by him. God does not look at our outward appearance. He looks deep into our hearts, our souls, and sees the real us. He knows our motives. He knows our thoughts. He knows it all. For now, we will continue to cry out from deep unto deep, from the depth of our soul to the depth of his mercy. Cry out what it says in Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. And there is an inheritance of worshipers of our God. In Revelation 21, God tells us, He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God and he will be my son. In the song lyrics of Michael Card's song to the overcomers, it said, the overcomers have come to understand that we are precious poems printed in the palms of his hands. In response, your beloved says, come quickly, Lord Jesus, we long for your embrace. If you've enjoyed listening to Moments with Moni, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and download to listen at your own convenience. You can reach me at momentswithmoni, the number one, at gmail.com, or you can leave me a Google voice message at 1-703-951-3077. You can leave a voice message there and I may use it on an upcoming episode. Or join us over on the Facebook community page. It's private and we can continue the conversation there. Thanks for listening.